Just Breathe is a monthly podcast where youth ministry has a say. Host Shannon Harper and Eric Bliss interview youth and adults who hold a vision of liberal religious youth ministry that is both life-saving and spirit-lifting. Come join us for these rich and enlivening conversations. Explore faith, spirituality, and life purpose as never before. And above all, bring your authentic self and just breathe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Just Breathe podcast. Are we calling it podcast now? Is that is that what it is, Eric? Is live. it a podcast or is it a live stream? You know, is it like a video cast? Like, there's so many different words, so many different choices. Yeah, I, you know, I feel alive. So, Just Breathe alive stream. I don't know. Um, Just breathe a, a live cast. In, in the interest of transparency, friends, we uh, have gotten out of the live uh, production business. Uh, it wasn't exactly jiving with our uh, evening schedules. And so we're recording this daytime for you, which will be dropped in the evening. Um, and you're still going to get amazing content and wonderful interviews. But uh, unfortunately, we will not be uh, present. We, we found that most of our viewership is actually watching this uh, after the fact. And so we want to uh, honor our time, honor our schedules, and still uh, offer a great product. So hopefully you enjoy today's episode. It's going to be and great. And you are watching, and we are so happy that you're here and watching. So thank you for joining us. Preach. Ooh, okay, so um, our check-in today um, is, uh, we're going to do a weather, weather report, right? I love it, weather report, um, yeah. It's, What's that, your, it's that traditional youth group um, kind of check-in. Yeah, don't, don't keep it too loose, keep it tight and refined uh, and uh, on uh, point, on target. What's your weather report like today, Shannon? Let's see, today I am feeling um, a little overclassed, a little bit of pressure um, going on, but um, it's looking like sun is in my uh, near future. Um, my birthday is coming up, so I'm pretty excited. Uh, next week is my, um, my birthday, and I just put in my time off, so I'm pretty, pretty happy. But I haven't decided how I'm going to spend it. I just know I'm not going to spend my birthday working, which is great. Uh, so I just got to get wrap up what I got to wrap up um, so that I can enjoy next week. How are you doing? Well, first, I got to say happy birthday. Thank you. Happy birthday to you. Wonderful. My wife's birthday is today, actually. Mm -hmm. ah, a Pisces. And, yeah, that's right. And Pisces she, rock. Pisces are awesome. They are. I mean, like all Pisces do truly believe that that's part of being a Pisces is that 
we know we are awesome. And I believe that you are awesome. I also believe my wife is awesome. <laughs> and so I, I, I'm going to have to support that. I'm going to have to go down as, as liking that comment uh, on social media. I, uh, my weather report, goodness, um, it was sunny here in Utah and warm for a few days. And now we've got this horrible wind. It's just icy and cold and frigid. And um, fortunately, that's not what my internal state is like. Uh, today, I put together this lovely lunch of olives and hummus and carrots and naan and these delicious Trader Joe's. Can I say Trader Joe's? Uh, sweet potato crackers with bread and butter pickles. Mmm, they're so sweet and delicious. And... Uh, yeah, my taste buds are doing a little a little dance as I think about those delightful bread and butter pickles I had for lunch. Lovely. Yes, um, this uh, podcast slash videocast is not um, currently um, plugging um, uh, Trader Joe's, but um, we are open to doing that if if Trader Joe's wants to reach out to us. We'll we'll take so, a sponsorship. We'll take a sponsorship. Okay. I jumped Don't, into I jumped into our our check in and forgot to talk about our topic. That's okay. That's okay. I do want to invite our participants to check in via the chat. If you have an internal weather report you want to share, feel free in the comments section to talk about how you are doing as you're watching this uh, lovely live stream, pod stream, pod, live cast. Who's with us today, Shannon? Woo! Today we are joined by members of the of is it the I don't know if it's the of Sanctuary Boston, which is um, an amazing um, congregation community in Boston, which I have had the pleasure of attending several of their. Have you have you ever actually attended? I'm uh, so Sanctuary jealous. Boston? I've never been have several times and it, it was okay. amazing and wonderful. And so we are joined today by um, Matt Meyer and Krishma Godfrey um, of Sanctuary Boston. So I'm excited to talk to them about vibrant, vibrant, um, vibrant, and we came up with this together, vibrant and spirited worship, which will be awesome. I can't wait. Uh, Matt is a long time friend and colleague going back to, gosh, I remember Matt at 2009's Lareda Fall Conference for Religious Educators and the incredible storytelling and music that was all woven together throughout the this weekend-long event. It was music, it was storytelling, it was dance, it was a training. Um, Reverend Tendaico played a huge prominent role. She was the keynote but Matt's music just tied it all together in this beautiful bow. And so uh, welcome, Matt. We're so glad you can join us today. So we should get into our introductions, right? Let's do that. Yeah, well, <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it. Are we, <laughs> I'm all over the place in our script, Eric, but so that's are we, okay. ready? That, you know what? It's, a script is just a thing. It's just the thing. Okay, well, let me introduce okay. Matt. So Matt's here. Hey, Matt. 
Pat Meyer is a lifelong Unitarian Universalist with a long background as a musician and worship leader for Unitarian Universalist congregations. He serves as the Director of Operations for Sanctuary Boston, a community of contemporary UU worship that's heart-centered, spirit-filled, down-to-earth, and wicked smart. So good to be with you all. And I am excited to introduce Karishma Godfrey. Uh, Karishma is Sanctuary Boston's Campus Ministry Coordinator. They are a junior at Wellesley College where they study religion, direct the HeartSpace UU Campus Ministry Group, and serve as House President of Bates Hall. Welcome, Karishma. And guests, we'd love to hear your weather report. How are you today? I am doing really well. I think that I'll have to say my weather um, and my heart matches the weather outside. I am currently at Wellesley College in Massachusetts and it is one of those really sunny, warm spring days. It's supposed to snow on Friday, but we're just not thinking about that. And I have gotten to spend some time with my friends and outside. And so I am feeling very sunny and it's great to be with you all. Yeah, I think my internal world has very much reflected our last couple of weeks of actual weather in Boston. There's been some intense winds, uh, very warm days, some freezing cold, some uh, snow and lots of rain and sunshine. We've just had it all every day. I don't know what to wear or what to expect. And that's kind of how my heart has been in these pandemic times, like solid and grounded and connected and also stressed and worried just a little bit of, of everything, depending on the day or the hour. Hmm. Well, we're so glad that you both are with us. And I spent a moment gushing about you, Matt. I also need to give some big ups to Karishma. Karishma, longtime YRUU leader, huge difference maker in the Pacific Western region, helped craft the Pacific Western region youth ministry vision amongst a million other accomplishments. So, you know, future president of the association, and on and on and on. Karishma, thank you for taking time to be with us today. Great to be with you all. Shannon, shall we dive into questions? Why don't we breathe first? We can just breathe. Say, yeah. You know what, Bliss? We've been like all over the place. I just went like full disclosure to everyone. Like I thought I was being all like great and I was going to like look at the script and so that I could look at the script and I would like, and I have not been, I've been all over the place and we have not breathed. We've been, let's like, maybe that's the problem. Maybe the problem is, is that we haven't breathed. So let's. That's the title track. Let's just, let's. It is. I was just going tackle. with the flow. I we had skipped the breathing, and I was like, "All right, we're not doing the breathing." It's my. It's one of my favorite things. But we're not doing the breathing. I'm really glad we're doing the breathing. All right. So, all right, everyone. It's called "Just Breathe" live for a reason, or, or "Just Breathe" something. We're still working that out. Um, you know, get if you have suggestions, put them in the comments. Um, but be nice. You know, come on. We don't need any trolls around here. All right. So. Um, Settle in to your space, wherever it may be. Relax your shoulders, 
Relax your neck. Soften your belly, soften your gaze. Soften um, all your muscles, all the muscles that you can sense um, in one sweep of your body. Uh, you can wrinkle your toes just a little bit and then let them relax against whatever substrate they are um, sitting on. And I'll invite you to just take three deep breaths in through your nose, out through your mouth. You can think if you have a mantra, I encourage you to do it. Uh, my mantra, long stories, be the tree. I'm going to do that. Um, that can be a subject for some future, just breathe live. Um, but in through your nose, out through your mouth. Mantra if you like. Here we go. And out. Second breath in deeply. Fill those lungs. And out. Last big deep belly breath. And release and you can shake out anything, any other tension that you have and welcome. That was so good. See, I was definitely missing that. We were just saying before we started recording that it feels like it's been a while since we were on together. I don't know if it's actually been a longer length than it normally is, but it feels like it. And that centering was perfect. Thank you. Thank you, Eric. All right, so let's get into our interview. Um, can you all tell us about, tell us about Sanctuary Boston. Um, how did you get involved? Um, and like, how did it come to be? I could uh, start us off with that. Um... I was part of the founding team of Sanctuary Boston. So my first sanctuary gathering was uh, six months before it existed. I was not the not the the champion main founder of it, but I was part of that gathering, and um, we came together to kind of envision what a different kind of UU worship gathering might look like, particularly what it would feel like, what it would sound like. Um, and uh, I've been the, the drummer in the house band ever since um, and been serving as the, the director of operations um, since our fourth year. Uh, so that was uh, how I got connected with it, um, talking with other musicians and seminarians and religious professionals about what it might look like to try and make something new and different. And I, um, as Bliss was mentioning, I grew up in the Pacific Western region. So I headed over to Boston in the fall of 2019 to start college at Wellesley. And I had heard amazing things about this really cool group called Sanctuary. And I had met Matt before and some other people who were involved. And I showed up, I think, within like the first month or so of moving to the East Coast and fell in love with that community and have been going to services ever since throughout the pandemic when they've been online in person I have been there and I started um, as campus ministry coordinator in August and so I've gotten to be involved in a lot of organizing around some emerging adults in the Boston area and beyond and it has just made me love sanctuary even more. Mm. Mm. This is unfair. The three of you have participated in sanctuary experiences. I need to get on the ball. Um, all right, it, it's virtual, right? I can attend it virtually. All right, it's, that's on me. 
uh, it's happening this weekend. Um, so sounds like you have a lot going on with Sanctuary Boston, but I imagine you wear some other hats that y'all have your fingers in other other kitties, other projects. What what else do you have on the on the griddle? Well, um, as I mentioned, I'm currently a junior at Wellesley College, so most of my life is being a student. Um, but other than that, I've been doing a lot of guest preaching, uh, which has been really fun. It's I love traveling around uh, on Zoom. It makes it even easier to to travel around. And as I we mentioned in my bio, I also run our campus ministry group here at Wellesley and we have about 13 or 14 people in it right now. And it's been so, so incredible to have a group on campus as well. And part of my interest in Sanctuary from the beginning was that since college, my main way of supporting myself has been as an itinerant worship leader for Unitarian Universalist congregations. So every Sunday I go to a different church and do music and preaching and kind of take over for the morning. Uh, and I've always been interested in how to create worship that is uh, embodied, that's heart-centered, that's particularly uh, uses music to create connection and find meaning. So that was part of my interest in Sanctuary and, and I'm still doing that these days and love it as much as ever. Uh, and my other uh, project uh, volunteer commitment these days is working with the Association for UU Music Ministries I'm on their conference planning com uh, committee and their uh, professional development team. And they're doing some really great work to figure out how we can minister to each other in these pandemic times when musicians like all the rest of our community members are really struggling with, uh, with the pandemic and how to be of use and, and connect. And in particular, um, I'm playing a part of our conference that'll be a song leaders convergence. It'll be the, the second one but inviting ministers and religious educators, uh, young adults who lead chants for protests, uh, other folks who lead singing or uh, in the oral tradition to come and, uh, and teach each other songs and skills for song leading. So I'm particularly looking forward to that uh, so we can build a mu more musical movement together, as we say. Hmm. So I have a question about that. I know I'm gonna be here for a minute. Because Matt, like when I first saw that, you know, on, on Facebook, like several, because it was the first one was a couple years ago, right? 2019 um, was the last time the musicians had yeah. a conference. So yeah. yeah, when I saw it, I was like, oh, that looks really awesome, but it's for musicians. So I'm not going to go because mm. I have no musical talent whatsoever. I can sing, kind of. I mean, like not well, but you know, I can sing, um, but didn't learn an instrument, didn't, don't, don't know anything about it. And then like, people went who I don't consider musicians either. And they came back and they were like, this was so amazing and so wonderful. And so is this something that you can like, like you said that all these people can come, but should you really have like a musical talent or is this like? <laughs> I, I mean it and you as well, Sharon are invited. Yeah, I think, you know, for a long time, the, the Music Associ Musicians Association has focused on the, the paid staff, the, the choir directors, the pianists, and um, because they are, you know, the most central part of music ministry in our congregations, and there's so many resources to share there. And I think this convergence is really a chance that we're looking at expanding that circle and saying, all right, the, the paid staff, the professionals might be the, the center of the music program, but there's a lot of musicians. In fact, probably most musicians in Unitarian Universalism aren't, aren't the staff necessarily. And so, yeah, it's, this is really an invitation to, 
anyone who would just want to come and spend a week singing in community, learning songs, practicing new harmonies, even if uh, even if it takes practice. Yeah, this is this is for you and all of those folks. I love that skill building, and you know, song is so important to youth and young adult um, community um, at um, cons or what do they call it in the south. There's like a thing that's not cons, but rallies, rallies and cons and GA and all of these things like this, like song, like even um, Krishma, were you and GA staff when we when they did like a, a song? Well, they, they also do like a song worship. Um, and those are always so popular. So, um, yeah, learning those skills is awesome. OK, sorry, back to Sanctuary Boston. Um, when you were talking about it, you were talking about this, this, like, what, what would it imagine, like, a different kind of, I don't know if you use the word alternative, but, like, worship being, so when you, when you all were, like, thinking about that inception, and then as you've continued growing, and, you know, um, building onto it, what was the void that you felt like Sanctuary Boston was kind of filling um, in UU, um, you know, worship circles? Yeah, part of my own journey was, um, you know, I, I grew up UU, but in some ways I was still had a conversion experience as a youth by being immersed in uh, the circle worship gatherings and conferences and other and camps and things. And, you know, those communities went so deep and so quickly because they used the tools of singing in particular, but uh, other spiritual practice together to really foster intimacy and connection. And I remember this feeling of going back to my church on Sunday morning and being like, well, this isn't Unitarian Universalism, like there's no feeling, there's no real connection. We're just going through the motions. The music is like performed, it's not participatory. And, um, you know, churches are are all over the place in different ways that they do worship. But um, that's been part of my own path of trying to bring more music to Sunday mornings in my own life. And that was really at the center of Sanctuary was that, um, this whole group of us had had a similar experience where, you know, we got that, uh, that feeling sometimes, but not uh, often enough. And while we loved the message of Unitarian Universalism, um, we wanted something more uh, heartfelt, something more emotional. Um, and a number of us had experienced that in other places, sometimes visiting evangelical churches where you get filled up with this joy or gratitude, but gosh, I sure am not on board with the message. But I thought, why do I have to pick between, you know, um, between a church that feeds my heart and a church that I agree with? And so um, a lot of you churches, I think, uh, pride themselves that we don't have to leave our minds or our intellect at the door when we come in. We don't have to leave our reason at the door. But too often we leave our, our heart or our bodies at the door. And those are just kind of secondary or off to the side. So we started by saying, you know, what, how do we want people to feel in this space? And then how do we get there? Um, and so we created a, an order of worship and a, and a you know, an arc to the, the service that is, is different, but it has a lot more music and different kinds of music. Um, and it was kind of just built with a different framework from the ground up. Thanks, Matt. That uh, I'm inspired. I mean, it reminds me, you know, I've been to a number of your 
worship experiences from that 2009 Loretta also to our 2016 um, engaging spiritual practice, which was very much modeled after that 2009 event. Um, but, you know, walk us through, Karishma, walk us through a typical sanctuary worship. What elements make it wicked smart and grounded and down to earth and all those things? You know, what's your experience of it? Well, something we like to say at Sanctuary Boston is, you know, we're going to start with singing and then we're going to do some more singing. And definitely the music part of it is super important. It's been really wonderful to have so many musicians and people who maybe don't identify as musicians. I wouldn't say I identify as a musician and someone called me a musician like last month and I was I was like, oh no, I'm not a musician. Like I just sing and I play the guitar and I've done stuff with Sanctuary, but I'm not a musician. And I think that Sanctuary does such a wonderful job of really making you feel like a part of the community immediately. Um, I mean, after a few times, I was already involved in, you know, greeting people and helping pass out name tags or doing a chalice lighting. And we also like to say, you know, no volunteering without joy. And that is especially coming from a uh, youth leadership where there is lots of volunteering and a lot of joy, but also a lot of stress. Uh, Sanctuary has been a great place that just everybody is so involved. So there's music, um, there's ritual, shared ritual. We always do our joys and sorrows. When we're in person, we light candles and sing Sanctuary. We have community members sharing reflections, which I really love. The I think that comes back again to more traditional youth and young adult styles of worship where there isn't like one person preaching a sermon, but there's different members of our community and people outside of our community welcomed in who are sharing their stories. So those are the highlights. Those are the things I can think about. It's been really fascinating to see how we've adapted to a model where we were all on Zoom and now partially on Zoom, partially in person. We've done it outside, we've done it inside. And every time I leave, I feel so, so, so good. I think something um, that that I noticed the first time that I went, um, that I attended um, a, a Sanctuary Boston um, worship was that um, it was very clear that it was young, young adult, like, like there were, there were young adults who were like speaking and there were young adults who were singing and there were lots of young adults, but it was truly, truly multi-generational. There was like little very little children running around and they were happy and nobody was like bothered by them. And there were, you know, people of all ages, all the way, you know, all, all ages, all the way up. Um, and I love that because I think that's something that we like try to get at with our, with our other congregations. Um, but it tends to be for the older people and then uh, other people are invited and it feels like you flip that. Um, and I've always said that, like that, you know, youth and young adult worship is what I prefer as an adult. To, I mean, I, that that type of worship, and I want to say it's not a type of worship because it's it's truly something that all people would enjoy. But I love that um, about those, the worships that you do. I also want to say the other thing I noticed is that um, uh, people were coming, were, were speaking in a circle. I was like, I don't know if that's something that you normally do in all the spaces that you're at, but people didn't come up to the podium and talk. People like if you had something 
you know, if, if, you, if you had a part in the service, like you were leading something, you just stood up from your seat and you did it. And that felt so, um, I don't know what the word is. It felt inviting and it felt like community and it felt like a group of people who love each other, who are all together worshiping, which is what I want to experience. So lovely. Um, can you, so for the people who are like, maybe have watched Sanctuary Boston online, um, have, have even visited, but they want to bring this, this, I, these concepts and these ideas to their own worship services, especially right now, as we're all kind of like re-looking at what worship looks like, what worship looks like if you're doing it both in person and online, um, all of these different ways we're navigating. I think it's like kind of cleared the field for like some other opportunities. What are some ways that you can think of that, um, you know, people could incorporate um, the, the, the Sanctuary Boston vibe into their own congregations? Uh, I'll, I'll give this answer in two parts. One is, um, so we have, we offer a webinar sometimes on how to launch an evening worship. And what we ended up doing as we were having this exact conversation amongst ourselves was we divided that into two parts. One was everything leading up to the first worship. And the second part we offered was the worship. And so I'll, I'll divide it up that same way. I think a lot of folks who visit a place like Sanctuary Boston, or for me, you know, once upon a time, I visited an evangelical church and I saw a church full of young people at nine in the morning coming to an hour and a half service. And all of a sudden I knew that this, uh, what I'd been told that like young adults don't want to go to church on Sunday morning. I was like, oh, that's a lie. They just want this. They want something different. Uh, they don't need it to be shorter. They want it to be longer. They go to concerts that are longer than an hour. So but sometimes we see that and we think, okay, uh, if you build it, they will come. If you put a you know electric guitar up front, or if you structure it in this different way, then the young people will come in the doors. And I think it's important to say that sanctuary. There was you know a year of conversations before our first worship, and a lot of new church plants. That's the minimum. People are having one-on-one -on -one meetings. They're meeting in small groups for sometimes years before the first public gathering. And so the fact that it was really created collaboratively by a group of young people to figure out how do we serve the, you know, how do we meet the needs that, that we're missing, the, the whole in our spiritual lives and the people that we know and want to provide something meaningful for, that was really at the heart of it. And that there were, you know, some resources available at that time to, to make that happen. And so, uh, I always worry that people will do it backwards, that they'll see the end product of what a sanctuary worship look like, and then they'll do that and hope that they end up with a different community than what they have. And you, the relationships come first, the community comes first, the organizing comes first. That said, I do think there are ways and uh, to shift some of the feel of our Sunday morning congregations. Um, some some of the things I talk about when I do, you know, how to integrate music into worship workshops is that uh, I think it's an increasing trend to start worship with 15 minutes or so of gathering music. And I think more and more churches are doing that. And that's certainly been core to Sanctuary that we begin by doing two or three or four songs in a row before almost we've done anything else. So from the very beginning, people are up and singing with us and clapping and, uh, and into it. 
I think another thing we can do on Sunday mornings is to think of the choir as worship leaders rather than performers, that the choir's job and certainly the music director's job is to invite congregational music and congregational singing, not to perform for the congregation. Um, I think that's a big shift at Sanctuary that uh, is, you know, not visible right away, but is like some of the undercurrent that feels very different is that we invite people to join in the music in whatever way to try out some harmonies. We also make it very clear if you just want to sit with your eyes closed and reflect silently, that's just as good. If you want to try out some new harmonies, that's just as good. If you want to belt it out like you do when you're alone in the car with the radio, that's just as good, you know, but but you're invited into all the music and almost as a rule, we have no music that is not participatory, that is only performance. I think those are some key things. Um, you know, I think we have more story and more music and, uh, and less talking. We have the Sanctuary Reflection, which is a little bit like a sermon, but it's, you know, 12 minutes and instead of longer than that. And it comes earlier because it's not the focal point of the service. Singing Sanctuary, lighting candles, the ritual is the focal point kind of like uh like communion in a catholic service the the sermon there is not not the focal point uh i think i'll i think i'll leave it at that those are those are some elements that i think uh shifted oh we often um our our music director mark david is a total genius and he's also really great at underscoring and he really loves that part of his job to like you know when you go watch a movie almost at no point in a movie is there silence without, is there no music? And so that's, we talk about our worship uh, trying to be very similar to that, that there's just music kind of coming in and out, fading in and out in the transitions, under the readings, uh, around the prayer, so that the whole thing is just wrapped in music. It's not just that we put more slots for songs in more places. So I think that's one, uh, another thing that makes a difference as well. Muted. Yeah, I was I was just talking to myself for a minute, getting my thoughts clear. Uh, <laughs> uh, and if you believe that, uh, I'll sell you some tickets to the pool on the roof. Um, so that organic feel is what it's about. You know, it's it's not digital; it's analog. Everything's flowing together. It that makes me. Oh gosh. Um, it, it conjures up a lot of thoughts. At one point, I worked with a group called the Emerging Adult Task Force, and we interviewed an intern named Aaron Eves, who was working at the Walnut Creek Congregation in Northern California. He talked about his vision. He had this very unique vision for, for worship as being, as with story being at the center of it. You know, instead of, you know, these hymn sandwich worships that we put together are these worships that are centered around a sermon it's a story that's woven in and out of and everyone has a part to play in the story and um and and so this sounds like a, a very much a musical approach to that same idea of you're not a passive participant um and you know speaking of participation karishma you have an important role at Sanctuary Boston, how does that, what is your role, how does it connect to the, to the overarching goals 
and the work and this beautiful worship experience that's been described to us. I think the funny thing with youth and emerging adults, especially, um, and all, all groups that are designated by age is as, as with time, you know, people grow up and age out. And I think that, you know, centering a community around young adult voices and experiences is something that has to continually be growing because people are growing up and there are more people becoming young adults. And when Sanctuary Boston started, I was, a kid and now I'm a young adult and and that's been really fun to be a part of um I think that I just have always felt so so welcomed in sanctuary spaces in ways that I haven't always felt in a typical UU congregation and I think I've also been able to see the experiences of other um, emerging adults who have been involved. When I first got involved with Sanctuary Boston, there wasn't really anyone else my age there. There were people who were like 24, 25, which was great, a lot closer in age than, you know, if I showed up at a congregation on Sunday morning, but I was still looking for people to share those experiences with me. And my work through the campus ministry, just like Matt was saying, it's a lot about those relationships and just getting to meet students one-on-one -on -one and people who have moved to Boston or grown up near Boston, um, people who have no relation to Boston, but because we're online can join us there and are just looking for a community to be a part of. And I think a lot of times I am a very active UU. Everybody at school knows I'm a UU. Um, it's not some, it's not a part of my identity that I hide or don't display. And there have been a lot of people who ask me questions and, you know, ask me if like how they can get involved with Unitarian Universalism, which is great, but I also want to have a place to bring them where I know that they're going to enjoy it and feel rejuvenated and excited. And so I've loved being able to work with Sanctuary because I get to bring people from Wellesley, which I've been able to do with my campus ministry group and bring them to this amazing community that I'm proud to call my spiritual home as well. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, I, um, <laughs> I've definitely had that experience of like talking up Unitarian Universalism and how great it is to young people. And then like, you know, realizing that they don't actually have a con con uh, congregation close to them that, you know, has any kind of um, you know, young adult group or, or anything like that. And it's like, it's kind of like a letdown, right? It's like, ah, those connections are so important um, to be making. So, um, you know, camp campus ministry is something that um, a lot of, um, we're starting to look into more. Like we were doing, we were doing campus ministry a lot, especially um, like in my region, I don't know, Eric, how, how in um, Pacific Western region, if you're still doing a lot of campus ministry, but those, those kinds of groups have kind of like, um, I, don't want, I, don't want to, I don't like to use the word died, but they, they trickled out, trickled down, right? Um, and we're, but, but we're realizing that, yes, young people actually are interested and in, we actually do have something to offer. I've talked to several young adults um, that um, went through youth programs um, and are now in college and are, and are starting these programs. Um, Krishna, when your work doing that, um, like, do you have any advice for people who are like, I'm in a college and we don't have anything like this and I would like, I would like to start reaching out to people. Do you have any advice for them? Yeah, I think it's, I mean, I think it's very similar to just like Matt was talking about starting a 
church plant or something like that, you know, you have to start with those relationships. Um, I was very lucky that Wellesley already had a UU campus ministry group when I came. And by lucky, not really so much lucky as, and I did pick Wellesley knowing that there was a UU campus group because I knew that I would not be able to survive spiritually without something on my campus. Um, and by my sophomore year, I was, we were on Zoom and I was the only person really consistently attending and we kind of had to start from scratch again because again, that's the thing, people graduate and then it's a whole new batch of people. And if you let something, um, even if you don't put um, priori prioritize it for like one or two years, then people graduate and all of the memory is lost. And so I think a lot of it is starting with those conversations, but also for people who are not actively trying to build their own group, something that I find really important is that it's a community effort. It's not something that you can do alone. And that's something that Sanctuary really knows. You know, we're not doing it because all of these new people are going to start getting involved with Sanctuary and, you know, growing up in our congregation and bequeathing their estates to us and being pledging members for decades. That's just not going to happen. People move away, especially at this point in our lives. And because we aren't a, you know, a congregation, a brick and mortar congregation, we have a little bit more of that flexibility and the passion to know that we're doing this as a service to Unitarian Universalism as a whole. And we've been really lucky to have so much support from other congregations in the Boston area because, you know, there are so many here and understanding that it's a ministry that we're providing because it is a good thing to do, not because we specifically as sanctuary are going to be more successful because of it. I just wanna highlight what you just said, which was that a congregation can do campus ministry or young adult ministry, and it doesn't have to be anything about gaining members or gaining pledges or gaining money or any of that, it can actually be a service to Unitarian Universalism. I just want to highlight. Boom. This is a, a conversation as someone is, who is doing the fundraising uh, side of this for our campus ministry program. I'm going to congregations in the Boston area and trying to gather a circle of congregations that will support this program for the long haul. And this is a, a, a conversation we have over and over is that in other denominations, um, you know, particularly evangelicals, they get the importance of campus ministry and they know that it's bigger and more important than any one institution or one congregation. Um, they know that this is, you know, a time of transition and formation in people's lives that they need to be ministered to and also a time that is going to, you know, set some of the direction for what's to come in their lives. And so uh, in our UU communities, we do such a good job of ministering to our, our children and then to our youth. And then we just kind of leave them on their own. And when they, when, if and when they go to college, the evangelicals are there, other denominations are there, and Unitarian Universalism is absent. And other folks are more than happy to provide that spiritual home for them. And we know that about 75% of them leave Unitarian Universalism and they never come back. They don't come back when they have children. That's not what the, the numbers seem to indicate. They're gone and they don't come back. And so, you know, if we want our churches to, even if we by just by, you know, the, the like crudest measures just want more numbers in a larger sense, uh, that means that all the churches that can be supporting campus ministry need to do that. Not because that one student will come to their church, but 
because it's better for the whole the whole movement. I like to think it's bombs. better for the whole world too, but just... the world too. <laughs> yeah, I I can't be more passionate about the emerging adult piece. I, you know, I refer to emerging adults as kind of a keystone cohort in our movement. And uh, Reverend Stevie Carmody and I are working on a project called Free Radical Ministry, where we're hoping to begin to talk a little bit about the campus ministry conundrum. Uh, and sprinkling that, a lot of young emerging adults aren't going to college, you know, or taking a gap year or working for a year, staying home, particularly because of the pandemic. And so how do you continue to minister to those folks when Sunday service may not be something that is a draw? And so we're, I, I the free radical ministry is not going to be a silver bullet, but we're we're really excited about this possi the possibilities of of something um, that we can offer our folks that right now really doesn't exist. And I, I love that Sanctuary Boston is filling that gap where y'all are. Um, shifting gears a little bit, you know, speaking of challenges, you know, this pandemic has really provided our congregations with some tough terrain. We are gathering, then we're not gathering. We're gathering outside, and we're not gathering outside. There's what you know. The, there's weather to factor in. There's uh, people with compromised immune systems and other uh, pre-existing conditions. How have y'all navigated uh, these vagaries? And how you know what's your vision as we approach springtime in this pan this new pandemic reality? Uh, I mean, my heart has just been broken, you know, being in conversation with other religious professionals about um, how hard this has been, you know, the great resignation is, is real for our ministers and music directors and religious educators, it's been, uh, it's been really rough. Um, Sanctuary, uh, we had a conversation when we were just about to go online, like everyone, and had to figure it out real quick, uh, what is this going to look like? And we gathered some of our worship leaders together and um, talked about what version of this we were going to do and decided to do, um, talked about like, how do we make this feel the way it feels in person? So we can't sit in a circle, but let's ask people to stay in gallery view. Uh, we want we're focused on as many congregations are saying these days connection not perfection so the let's do live music the sound quality won't be as good but it'll be a little more personal and connecting we think um let's do joys and sorrows and figure out how to do that with people sharing in the chat still let's still have 12 worship leaders for every service so it's still multivocal. um and that has just worked really well for us um kind of to my surprise uh, so we have, I think, twice as many people participating in worship now and ever since we went online than we did uh, in person in the before times. And that's the same thing with our small groups are two or two and a half times as many people as we used to have. Um, and I think some of that is like the, the beautiful connection and dedication to community and 
vibrant worship and real connection that is at the heart of sanctuary. I think some of it is just dumb luck. You know, people we meet on Wednesdays, and so a lot of UUs who have a Sunday morning church are, are also joining us for worship on Wednesdays. Um, so we're not, you know, they can they can do both, and so I think a lot of folks are doing both, and that's made you know, expanded who can who can connect with us. We don't have a religious education program, which I think is probably the part of our churches that have been most uh, hard hit by the pandemic. And so that didn't, that wasn't hard for us. Um, so that's part of what it has looked like so far. You know, we meet every first and third Wednesday of the month and fifth Wednesdays when there is one. And our schedule for the next few months, probably until the fall, is to stay all online for first Wednesdays and then do hybrid worship on third Wednesdays, partially for safety, partially because hybrid worship is exhausting. You know, we have about 25 volunteers for every hybrid worship doing all of the different roles um, because we try to involve so many people and so many things and because we don't have a lot of staff. So, um, so that's our plan for the for the indefinite future. But we're starting to have other gatherings, um, and our COVID safety team and our board kind of said early, we're only going to meet in person if we can sing together in person, and that'll be the the bar that we have to meet for safety in order to be in person. Otherwise, it's not not worth it. So, that's a little bit of the decisions we've made. But you know, like everyone, we're figuring it out as we go. We're making plans and then changing them. We were doing third Wednesdays hybrid and we took that off for January when, when the numbers were particularly terrible. So, yeah. Krishna, do you have anything to add about that? I'll also say for college students, honestly, having things on Zoom or having the option to attend things virtually is great because my first year I was devastated because I had to miss sanctuary services over winter break because I was home in Oregon and I couldn't go because they were only in person. And this winter break, I got to be home with my family and we all logged in and watched it together at 3.30 p.m. Pacific time. And, you know, we made it work and that was great. I also like, I lived in the suburbs of Boston. It is a trek to get out into the city to actually go to services. And I would make that a priority, but it would basically mean I didn't have anything else going on on Wednesdays. I do my homework on the bus. And so it's made it a lot more accessible for students um, from around the Boston area and also places where they don't have, you know, local campus ministry or opportunities to connect with other young adults to be involved. And that has been an incredible blessing. Speaking of blessings, this has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for joining us. I am so excited. I'm so, so excited to know that Sanctuary Boston is like alive and well and thriving um, right now. And that um, Bliss can also join you and have the experience himself. <laughs> and um, I think we're gonna put in um, the notes, the show notes, some links to, um, to get more information about attending Sanctuary Boston worships. So that'll be awesome. Thank and you Krishma, so much. I appreciate you bringing up the time so that our viewers can attend so 3 30 pacific we're translating that to eastern 6 30 eastern time first third fifth wednesdays and the link will be in the notes section um anything else you want to share about sanctuary before we start wrapping up just to invite folks to, to connect with us. Uh, you know, like I said, we have 
lot of folks that are connected with other spiritual communities as well. And for us, that's really a strength, not, not a weakness, not a scarcity. Our, our words of welcome say, whether you light candles on Friday night or go to church on Sunday mornings, you're welcome here. If you're new to, to spiritual seeking in general, you're welcome. And so we just want to extend that invitation to come and experiment with us, worship with us, learn with us. And thank you both for, for this, uh, this ministry that you're doing to have these conversations. It's such a joy to, to see you sharing the good news of, of what's, what's going well in UUism. It's fun. I got the warm feelsies. <laughs> uh, and I'll just say, as an emerging adult now, um, I had the extreme pleasure of being mentored and getting to work in partnership with both Eric and Shannon as a youth. And so it's really great to be back here um, and Amy behind the scenes. And so it's just a stellar, stellar team. Um, and I'm so grateful for you all. Uh, I, I could do this for hours. I just, it's a love fest. It's a love fest. Um, our next love fest is going to be in March. It's the last Sunday in March. What what date is that, Shannon? Do you have that off the top of your head? You ask me questions like this, like I'm supposed to be prepared like that. I know, we <laughs> should be prepared, shouldn't we? March 27th. March 27th is our next Just Breathe Live. And we have some amazing guests. We're gonna be meeting with our friends north of the border. Um, mycelium to use uh that's linnea granberg eric james and casey stainsby are running this amazing youth and emerging adult ministry um that spans the entire country of canada it's called mycelium uh for those of you who don't know it's a, that's a mutualistic association between mycorrhizal fungal roots and tree roots communication happens that way um, between these organisms as well as these um, positive, mutually beneficial interactions. And it's an amazing ministry. I can't wait to get them on the show and ask them more about it. It's innovation. Yes. And so it is time for our whoosh, Matt and Krishma. I don't know if you know about our whoosh, but it's an important part of our show. Um, it's where we do bring our full bodies into the space and we uh, breathe in air deep into our lungs like musicians, singers would. I don't know, something you could try to connect the things and then push it out because we are done and it is over. So big breath in and then a loud whoosh. whoosh. All done. Bye, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Take care. I'll be well. <laughs>